Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tommy Corbins. I'm like Pete Southtown, Zan Zan. I'm always speaking my mind, but I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend of my own mind. I'm good for the song, but I'm not for Welcome to another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. Half day, Christmas vacation started early. Cabinet maker, Canadian Pale Ale, Bayfield Brewing Company. <laughs> and today, I am so excited to have on a 48-year-old from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. His hockey journey has taken him to Canada, the USA, Italy, Switzerland, and Germany. Played eight seasons professionally in five countries. Coached 14 seasons across four countries working his way from assistant coach of the Wexford Raiders of the OPGHL to head coach of Balzano in the Ebel or whatever you want to call it. And coach of Lugano in the Swiss A-League and the Spengler Cup now is a world renowned agent with Optima World Sports and rumor has it his honey holes are Switzerland, Austria and Sweden. And today's sponsor is obviously the Bayfield Brewing Company. Sorry for having so many sober episodes lately, folks. I had to work. But welcome to the shed, Pat Curcio. <laughs> Thanks for having me, buddy. Thanks for having me. Excited to yeah. be here. Well, nice to meet you. Um, I get into how we know each other, and I guess we've never met, right? No, that's right. No, our paths have uh, crossed, but we never actually met. Well, when, when we get into this, man, it's a small world. <laughs> oh, dear. I bet you I'll catch you off guard with a few names here. But uh, sure. okay. But how we know each other is I got your number from your partner, 80, mm-hmm. episode 84, David Amonti, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, so you guys are partners. So you are what? You're running Switzerland, Austria, and Sweden? Yeah, more or less. Uh, those are my markets and some of the Italian teams as well, just because my background coming from Italy. So those oh, okay. are basically where, what I hit up the most. Nice. Okay. Um, and then uh, a couple other names just off the start when you sent me your pictures for the poster. <laughs> you were coached by Kevin Gaudet. <laughs> <laughs> I was for a few years. He was our coach. And he's uh, still coaching now. I know. What team does he coach now? He's in bad tolls. In the DEL too. Uh, yeah, he ran me out of town in Beatingheim. We didn't gel, <laughs> you could say. <laughs> uh, uh, anyways, uh, another guy that said to say hi to you, Lee Salters. Oh, big Lee. Yeah. You were his coach man. in London, eh? I was, yeah. yeah. So what, what's Lee doing now? He's a firefighter out in Vancouver. Um, wow, and, that's yeah. amazing. Um, and, uh, his episode was in the sixties. I think if you want to really get to know where he's at and what he's doing, that's basically what I'm doing now. Right. <laughs> okay, cool. I'll have to go back and listen. Lee was a great guy. I loved coaching Lee. So he would have been so, a teenager then. Yeah. He would have been, uh, probably 18 years old then. So was he as good looking then as he is now? Cause the best- mighty Thor, he was the mighty Thor. <laughs> Even as a teenager, eh? my God. Uh, 
Just Jack. Just Jack. The, the girls in London high schools look out, eh? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Good gosh. The, the, the wives in Cardiff could not contain themselves. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, every game at the blue line, they'd sing the Welsh national anthem and he'd have his bucket off the long Thor hair. Right. Yeah. And then he would flip it back and douse himself with water. And you oh, could just geez. see every guy in the crowd go. <sighs> and, and every girl just go. <sighs> <laughs> so anyways, Lee said to say hi. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. If you're talking to him, say hi. All right. Um, yeah, our idea, me and him just decided we're going to do a, a Brayhead clan episode. He's going to bring on some buddies of his from when he was in with the clan. We'll get that fan base going, you know? Right on. Okay. You also coached a couple other potters, but we'll get into <laughs> all that. <laughs> Jeepers, it's a small world. Uh, but a lot oh, of my no former doubt. coaches, okay, were part mm-hmm. of your life. So we'll get into that. Um, so my first question is where, and what are you doing now? Well, we're, uh, I'm living in Texas, just got back from Europe. Um, we were there for about seven weeks where I hit up all the countries just before COVID took over another lockdown the last couple of weeks. So, uh, just lucky to get that trip in. So we're back here now and we're, uh, we're working on a few big projects right now. Right? Pretty cool ones. going to be amazing game changing stuff. So when you keep saying were, and we, who was with yeah. you? going where who's so dave and gary my two of my partners passed our past week so we kind of meet in a few different countries germany austria hang out for a few days then go our own ways and stuff like that so uh, we're trying to hit every team and all the players we can on on these trips to make them as worthwhile as possible we did about six weeks straight so it was, uh, it was pretty interesting um so you guys are coming up with new ideas i wouldn't doubt that like when when I would see how agents would try and do it, they'd each have their own little pocket of teams they could deal with. Right. And yeah, uh, yeah. I That's would have an agent. My agent yeah. was Austria and like Switzerland. And then the second league in Germany a little bit, but he only took me because he thought he'd get me out of there. And then when yeah. he didn't get me out of there, he kind of gave up on me. Right. <laughs> well, that- we never give up on our guys. We, we try to just have different markets that we have better connections in and we just move guys between us, but we're always one tight team. That's what we try. Well, that, it sounds like a great idea. Like really, yeah. it sounds fantastic for the players that they can, uh, if you have a big year, you also yeah. have the resources to go elsewhere. And if you have a shitty year, you also do, right? <laughs> exactly. No, I think, but that's exactly right. Where we have everything in covered so we can cover, take care of our guys for sure. Yeah, for sure. Cause when I like the agents I had realistically, they had their honey holes. Right. And then mm-hmm. if you were looking elsewhere, they really didn't know who to contact or they just really didn't act like it was an option. At yeah, least- that's why we have the furthest reach. We hit everything. Yeah. It's great. Well, that, Hey, maybe I should have had you guys as agents back in the day. Who knows what could <laughs> still happen, be man? playing. He's still oh, be going. Man. Probably have a way bigger house. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, anyways, um, it all happens for a reason. I, th- all the stuff I went through gives me for lots sure. to talk about on here. hundred <laughs> percent. So growing up in Toronto and how'd you get into hockey? Oh man, that's a crazy long story. Um, interesting one. So I'm first generation Italian. So my parents came from Italy and they had no idea what hockey was. Where in Italy? Uh, so my father's from Calabria in the South and my mother's from Rome. Okay. Yep. No, I've been so to Rome. Moved- yep. Yeah. Just curious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So then uh, we grew up, we were in Toronto, grew up, and then um, 
my dad was a barber and he wanted to, he opened his own shop near Georgetown, Ontario. So we moved there in 1979. I was six years old and uh, I got into hockey with the Macaulay family. They don't know the famous referee. I was born in Georgetown four years later, though. I know that. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. 80, oh, I, I'm an 83 circuit at Georgetown, Ontario. <laughs> okay. So my sister and both my, so I, my brother and I were born in Toronto. We moved to Georgetown in 79. My younger brother and my sister were born in Georgetown. My sister's an 80, my brother's a 79. And we lived in Georgetown until my grandparents got sick in about 86. We moved back to Toronto. So we were there about seven years. And that's how I got started in hockey with Macaulay's and the Finns. So I went to school with them at Holy Cross in Georgetown. Okay. I don't know Georgetown. I was, I left when I was one years old to Elmira, but I don't know the area, but that's how you got into hockey, eh? That's how I got into hockey. And then it was just ingrained in my blood and my parents didn't want me to play, but no one was going to stop me. I just kept uh, fighting my way through. And uh, crazy story I always tell is uh, my father was always busy and we didn't really have much money and registration was about $200 and they didn't know I was going to play. So I lied to them every Saturday. So I was going out to play with friends and I went to the Georgetown arena registered for hockey. I was probably eight years old at the time. And I signed my parents' name and said, don't worry, don't worry. My parents are going to come and pay. Well, three months went by. I thought, oh, man, I keep playing every Saturday. No one's asked for the money. This is great. One day I come home from, from hockey and my mother got a phone call to collect the money. She went crazy and they locked me into the cubby hole. <laughs> oh, man. That, what yeah. a story, though. Like you yeah. signed yourself up for hockey at eight years yeah. old and you've made a lifetime of hockey since. Yeah, exactly. That's right. We ah. talk about it still. My, my mother still reminds me. Oh, she didn't want me to play. And now look at where we are today. <laughs> yeah, man, that's wild. That's, I only got into hockey. Uh, I guess my parents put me into it because their friends were putting their kids in hockey, but they had never been in the hockey life, didn't know anything about it. Um, and it's just your passion, right? Once you get it's into something. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So then how do you go from that, work your mm-hmm. way up to getting to the Ottawa 67s? Oh, man, you're asking some great questions, Brent. So what happened was um, when we moved back to Toronto, I would hang out at Chesswood Arena every day. And um, they w- all the pros were skating. They used to skate all summer long. And I just wanted to skate with the pros. I was like 14, 15 years old. And then every day when the pros uh, were missing some guys, they'd let me get on the ice and skate. And there was guys like the Cavallini brothers that played for St. Louis, Steve Thomas, uh, Doug Gilmore, Maurice Catanacci, guys that played in Europe, and all all these different Mike Ware, who's a big Cardiff player. They, these are uh, all called, these are all my heroes. You're talking in like yeah. So then they started letting me skate, and then uh, when I was skating, one of the guys was Maurice Catanacci. We represent his son Daniel, who was drafted by Buffalo. He wanted to. Uh, he, he said to me, "Can you get your Italian passport? There's a new rule in Italy saying if you come now, you'll play as a non-import." So uh, at 16, he got me a pro job in Cavalese. I was playing with Tom McMurchie, a bunch of pros, Sean Simpson, all these guys. And I was 16 years old. I was there for a year and a half. It's not on my stat sheet. It's weird. It should it's, be. It's, but not, it's not. The research team didn't find that. They didn't find that. No. And then um, when I, my dream was to play in the OHL. I wasn't drafted. And then a year and a half after being in Italy, I kind of became a pretty good player skating with these guys. And, you know, even though I wasn't getting a lot of ice time. It makes you a lot uh, better, doesn't it? Just being oh, around. Guaranteed. It. Guaranteed. And working hard, staying on after practice. And then uh, back then there was no cell phones. There was only paved phones. So I called every team collect. And Brian Kilray was the first one to say, I'll give you a shot if you come back. I got on the next plane in December. 
landed in Toronto, didn't even stop to see my parents. And I went right to Ottawa. And then uh, that's how I made the 67. I ended up living at Killer's house. And then we traded for Mike Pecco, who became my best friend and junior and early on in his pro career. So that's how it kind of started. Oh, that's really wild story. Um, yeah. One of my best buddies growing up, Rodney Bobbin, played for Killer too for the Ottawa yeah. 67s. Yeah. yeah, I know the name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he always raved about him. He just loved playing for him. Oh, I got some crazy Killer stories. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it was some funny stuff with Killer. He, we used to drink beer in his basement, and uh, all the time he didn't mind if we were drinking there. But then, you know, we wanted to go out and meet people, so we were always at the bars, and we were always underage. And then finally, he comes in one time, and he says. To Mike Peck and we're sitting there. He goes, if you want to be like Kersey Obama on a bar stool his whole life, you better stop hanging around with him. And he's kicking me down his stairs. <laughs> Jeez, the stories were, were crazy. We had some fun times, but yeah, it was great. He wasn't wrong. Peck played a long time in the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> he was a good, great player too in the NHL. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's a wild story. So you only played in Ottawa for one year? Or So yeah, back to the funny story. So then after that year, I went back. The team in Italy was supposed to go down to the second league. So I would have been a free agent. They would have let me to play, but they didn't. They were back up in the top league. So they owned my rights. And they had asked Ottawa for like, at that time, I want to say 25 or 30,000 for the money that you paid me for my release. And Taylor was like, we just don't have it. So uh, again, I called around every team. And Prince Albert in the Western Hockey League said, well, if you make our team, we'll pay that fee. So I went out there. You played and, one uh, game. One game in Prince Albert, and it was like they said, There's no way we're paying 30 grand for this guy. And I was like, Thank God I can't stay in this town. It was minus a thousand in September, it was crazy. And uh, I got in trouble a little bit the first night there. I went to a subway, and apparently, I was hitting on some girls, and a couple Indian boys didn't like it. And we got into a little fisticuffs outside the subway. <laughs> and uh, the next thing I know, Rico Rossi, Mike Zanier, and Ron Flocker was coaching Dallas, and I was 19 years old. And they said, You don't need a release to come play pro for me. I took the Greyhound from Saskatchewan to Dallas. And the next thing I know, I was playing pro for the Dallas Freeze. Uh, and that was uh, the first coach I've had to come up so far. Rico Rossi. <laughs> Rico and I played together. We were line mates. Yeah. Yeah. He was, uh, he brought, so when Beatingheim, when Kevin Gaudet, your former mm -hmm. coach, runs yeah. me out of town in Beatingheim, actually yeah. what happened was I had hernia surgery. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not playing. I'm done for the year. So I'm in the VIP room with like the, uh, the big sponsors and I'm having beers cause my season's over and yeah. Rico's there to watch the game. Yeah. And this is how it works in Germany, right? We're yeah, standing there beers in the VIP room and we're standing yeah. there having a beer. And he goes, cause he had tried to sign me my first year at Germany after mm -hmm. I played him in the playoffs. And he says yeah. to me, we're having a beer. He goes, well, I know we've talked about this before. Uh, he's like, but always wanted you to play for me. Uh, maybe now's the time. And, uh, I was like, maybe. <laughs> and, uh, next thing, you know, he sends me an offer. I go to Kevin. I said, well, here's what they've offered. And he says, well, I ain't signing you for that. <laughs> and it was for less money than I was making. I'm like, Oh dear. <laughs> I guess like it's time. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Jesus. Uh, but That's yeah, funny. so Rico was in Dallas with you. Eh? I always liked yeah. Rico. I got nothing against him. We underachieved that year. Um, mm -hmm. I had, a, I had a good year. We underachieved, but you know how it is in Germany, your team underachieves, you, you, you ship out every import on the team and that's what they did. That's how it works. Yeah. Unfortunately, no doubt. Yeah. So no Rico, doubt. I got nothing against you, buddy. Come to the shed. <laughs> let's chat. <laughs>
<laughs> Love it. Yeah. Um, so Dallas Freeze, you're playing pro then out of nowhere. Yeah. Just to get out of the Italian contract. Yes, just to get out of that. And then I played that year in Dallas. And then uh, I got to invite Gene Ubiraco, who I met in Italy, was uh, head of Tampa Bay. I just started. I think it was like 92, 93. And Gene said, I'll get you to camp and uh, with Phil. And uh, they did. And I ended up in Atlanta pretty quick. And then uh, and that was the IHL. And then they shipped me down to the ECHL where I bounced around. You know how the ECHL goes when you don't, especially you don't have a contract. Those were the early days of the real wild, wild west. It was crazy. Well, and, okay. uh, here's and another, that, here's another way. It's small world since we've never yeah. met. <clears throat> you were also a Daytona beach bomber of Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> I sure was. We made a mess in that town. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. So what arena did you play in? The old one with the bowling alley dressing room. Uh, so you were downtown area, right? We were downtown. Yeah. I was yeah, at the, the school, rink. right? The right. Oh, the state, bigger rink. The yeah. Nutter center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We always like, always rink. like the name of that arena, the Nutter yeah, Center. The Nutter Center. <laughs> <laughs> it was oh, quite yeah. the facility. <laughs> they were good no at putting doubt. basketball in, not so good at putting ice in. <laughs> no, no doubt, no doubt in that area. The Florida Everblades, I remember, flew all the way to Daytona Beach, Ohio, and mm-hmm. they were gonna not play us because our ice was too bad. <laughs> Daytona Beach, Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, so were you around the university then? So you did have some fun though in the coast, eh? Oh yeah. We had fun on the coast. Too much fun. We, uh, the stories were endless. So yeah. That, so Daytona Beach, I was also there. You also played for the Huntsville Blast and the Charlotte Checkers. That's a team that's still around, right? Yeah. Now they're in the American League, I think they're called. I don't know if they're the Checkers anymore, but they're that team's in the American League now. Oh, right. Yeah. That, yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Next season, yeah, you play. I I only wrote down some of the names of the people I know. Okay, so okay. Brant Brantford Smoke 94, oh, 94, yeah. 95. I yeah. know he I know he had a mullet because he's a former <laughs> Potter. Episode fifteen or sixteen. <clears throat> John East, my junior oh, B coach. Yeah, <laughs> oh man, he's wear cowboy boots and a mullet every day with a t shirt. Didn't matter. Or just blonde mullet, eh? <laughs> Oh yeah, funny days. Uh, okay, the Brantford Smoke, though, good name of the team, eh? Yeah, it was a great spot to play. I always hoped that team was going to survive. We just couldn't. The fans wouldn't come to the rink, but we did have the the Gretzky of that league, Paul Pulillo. He was unbelievable. Paul Pulillo, he wore the Jofa helmet. And I swear to God, he was like the Gretzky in that league. He was incredible. I think it's kind of cool though that you guys are making money and you're still in Ontario, right? It was awesome. It was great playing pro there. Yeah. Yeah, like it's that's fun. never happened since I've like doesn't they, they tried in Brampton the last couple of years, but it didn't work. Yeah. Well, you got to have other teams around, right? Like Brampton yeah. to travel all over the place. Like if there's Brantford and everywhere else, maybe it's not such a big deal. Correct. No, that's right. We our trips were wild. We went everywhere. Yeah, Saginaw was our closest trip, I think. So Crazy. that's the other team you played for, the Saginaw Wheels, eh? Yeah, the old wheels. And then that's the end of your North American professional career, eh? That was it. Then went overseas, back to Italy. So then you go to Milan. So are you an import? I had a time passport, uh, but I was an under 24. So I played in, in, under that under 24 rule. They kept changing the rules over there all the time. So I got in there as an under 24 and um, had a big year. That was a really good year for us. 
Um, and then they changed the, that's when the EU rules came in. That's when the whole thing started where the EU, uh, the soccer player took them to court, the EU came in, the EU, Euro came in. And basically if you had a time passport, you can work and then live in any country in Europe. And then Germany bought up all the players. And that's how we ended up going to Germany. Cause we were Is not that how it happened. Um, yeah. I heard stories of what it was like, like hockey before uh, the mm-hmm. Euro. Um, Cause like my coach would show up in, in land suit in like a mm-hmm. brand new Porsche or whatever. And I, I'm like, was he that good? And they're like, Oh, <laughs> in Germany before the Euro guys were making crazy money. I talk about this all the time. We made more money in the nineties than guys are making today. I mean, you talk about inflation and cost of living, you could buy a house for 150 grand in the nineties. We were making 120, 130. Now no one makes that kind of money. It's crazy. And I, and I, I saw it shrink while I was there. And I think a lot of it had to do with the guys that would go over very similar to what I did. And I, the problem, and I'm sorry, folks, I was part of the problem. <laughs> I went over there on a prove yourself deal. And as soon as those prove yourself deals started over there, the, mm-hmm. the market just tanked. Right. Mm-hmm. Then everyone wanted to go. Then the Euro came in and the Euro cost everything. I'll give everyone an example because I always use beer as an example. It used to be like one Deutschmark. Okay, you could buy a beer. When the euro came in, one euro cost two Deutschmarks, but a beer cost two Deutschmarks. So that means now it's four lira. So things went up fourfold when the euro came in. Crazy. And it's crazy how strong Germany's economy has always been with like, with all Mm -hmm. that, right? Yeah, it's crazy. So they really, really hurt the Europeans. Their dollar was cut in a quarter. Yeah. Ah, man. Yeah, it's interesting history, eh? We're like historians, aren't we? <laughs> this was, I was a there. Ho- I remember people the thought this was a out. hockey podcast, but you're wrong, <laughs> folks. We're teaching you about all sorts of shit. <laughs> That's right. Oh God, but the the exchange rates, I tell you, that changes people's uh, careers too. Like whether or not they want to go back to play hockey. If the Euro's at 1.7 compared to 1.2 or 3, it changes how bad you want to play. (laughs) Telling you, as Canadians, we were lucky because Euro was always in that range. It's still pretty good now. But coming back to Canada, you make 40, 50% on your salary and it was all tax-free. So that was the other thing that hurt the money because they knew the Canadians would come over cheap. (laughs) We went over, we just wanted to play. It was crazy. Well, I remember when I, when I went to Germany, right. I go for like cheap, right. So whatever, I'll tell it on here. 20,000 euros, right. That's my contract for the year. It doesn't sound like much, but it's tax free, whatever. People won't get it, but anyways, that's what you go for. But the other imports on my team that were the same level of hockey player as me were making probably double that, maybe more or around Mm -hmm. that. And then once a few of us came over and showed that you could get a younger guy over to prove it, mm-hmm. next thing you know, that's what every team wanted. Yeah, oh, it was, that's what it was. It was changed the whole environment. Yeah. Sorry, players. I'm trying to help you out now. <laughs> I'm on no, your. No. I, I don't know. I was just doing what I thought was right. <laughs> just passionate. Wanted to play. Well, I wanted out of the coast. I know that. Yeah. But oh yeah. Realistically, yeah. I should have told my agent, like, I wanted out at the start of the year, the summer, and said, like, get me out of here, go to Europe. And then he could have worked on it instead of just waiting for a friend to call. 
Yeah. No, no. Where are we here? Okay, we're heading to Europe. You play to Milan, and you are uh, under 24, but an import. Yes, yes. Even with an Italian passport. But you ripped it up. So what's that league like back then? Because you had 51 points in 32 games. Yeah, if you look at all the players, there was a lot of great players. And uh, I was just fortunate enough, we didn't have a great team, but I played like 25 minutes a night with uh, Richard Borgo and MEI Ovio as my wingers. And man, it was, we just clicked and had a, had a big year. We didn't win many games, but uh, the three of us had big seasons. That was for sure. It was, it was fun. It and was there's fun. a lot of those teams in Europe, eh, where, uh, where there's a line of imports or whatever. And then the rest of the team's just not good. Right. Oh my God. It was bad. I still see some of those guys in Milan. Like not one of them played hockey after that year. I used to joke around with them. It was like, what were they even doing on the team? Like it was just, they were just there to fill holes, just to have bodies. It was so funny. Oh man. When I was in Beatingheim and there was a couple tough years of junior kids coming up. Um, when we had injuries, like they legit had to put a kid in from the junior team that was so not ready, but he was like six, three and he was big. Yeah. So he yeah. got the puck at, and uh, I've never seen a kid get hit so hard in my life. <laughs> like an import came down the wall and thinks this, kids six three german and but he was so not ready to play pro and right wow did he get lit up (laughs) uh it's the fun stuff you see over there isn't it i love it love it yeah i can see how you've had a life in hockey because the hockey (laughs) over there is really funny sometimes oh man no doubt um have you what's the wildest i'm just curious question while we're talking about it probably the wildest game i've seen over there was when i was playing in garmisch germany mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we were winning handily with landsuit my first year and the fans of garmisch were so angry at their team they started throwing glass uh beer on the ice like smashing all over the ice did you have, what's your wildest story you've been around over there a long oh. time Man, we had some crazy times. So, I mean, uh, as you're probably going forward here, you'll see Vedemark that we had uh, Kevin coached our team. We had the band of bandits. We had Brian Fogarty, David Haas, Jason Lafreniere, Troy Crowder, Francois Gravel, Gary Lehman, Randy Burridge. Uh, I mean, we had, that dressing room was unbelievable. And the Scorpions, the rock band, they were always around. Their wife used to come in the dressing room with mini skirts this thick, this high. And bring us cases of beer and, and bend over and hand us beer. And they would just la- laugh as their wife's asses are hanging out in the dressing room. And we would be walking around naked. And the stories are endless for those four years. And Kevin got that's your coach. So what the hell happened to him? Because, no, you know what? what? I was sick of beating hype too, though, because they had yeah. like... I had been there for a few years and every year it had gone down, down, down. Yeah. And then they had said like, we're going to get better. We're going to sign you again, but we're going to be better. And then the <laughs> team they brought in, I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I was just dead, but no, that he sounds like that. Like he let it be fun back then, man. He I don't did. Know. He was a young guy. Kevin was really young. He couldn't have been much older than the, the players. He's probably the same age. And we used to, he used to tell us if we won uh, Friday, Sunday, we get two days off. And Brian Forey would go in on Sunday. We had win on Friday. And he'd say, for sure, Kevin, for sure. Like in front of the whole team, for sure. We win tonight. We got two days off. And sure enough, we'd find a way to win, get two days. We'd show up Wednesday, have Cabini Fest again Wednesday night after we partied Monday, Tuesday. Cabini Fest Wednesday, skate and sweat Thursday, back at our Friday, Sunday, then do it all over again. It was, it was unbelievable. And that time. is not what it was like when I was there, but um, Brian Fogarty, 
did come yeah. up another time on the pod. I had Scott Pearson on, who was his. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was my roller hockey coach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, he was the best player I've probably ever seen. Natural talent. Uh, and I had you know. no idea he was that good. I didn't really know the name. And then S- Scott told me about him and sent me some stuff about him. And man, that sounds he like unbelievable. He a, yeah. So he would, he would, when he wanted to play, so he, and when he wanted to play, one, I'll tell you one game. We're in Frankfurt, one-one game in the playoffs. He had gone out the night before, so Kevin hadn't played him a shift yet. We're in the middle of the third period. He's sitting in the middle of the bench, Bogey. He looks down. He says to him, "You can put me on the fucking ice. I'll win this goddamn game." We're, everyone's looking at him, and like Kevin's like, "Okay, we're up next." He literally hadn't took a shift yet the whole game. Stopped behind our net. This is no exaggeration. He got the puck, turned it up, went end to end. Fed Gary Lehman for a backdoor tap in with 2 1. We won the game. Came off the bench after we scored, sat back down. He was, I'm done for the night. One shift. <laughs> That's no lie, 100% the way it happened. Unbelievable. <laughs> so Kevin had not played him all night because he had gone out? Gone out the night before. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, they still want to win, don't we, they? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Every coach does, buddy. I always tell players this now. If you're not playing, it's something you're doing wrong because I guarantee a coach ain't playing you because it's not doesn't want to win. He wants to win. So you better figure it out. Exactly. You know? I've never met a coach that wants to lose. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so they're not sitting you because they think they can't win. They can win without you. Believe me. Exactly. Um, no. Anyways, moving on. Okay. <laughs> um, but it is true, though, for players. It would like for myself when I got ran out of beating Heim. And, you know, <laughs> no, but seriously, like, you got to look in the mirror. Like, yeah, I did. I did let myself get out of beating Heim. I wanted out. Right. I did. And, uh, and then the way it went with the other teams, it's really all what you put into it, right? Whatever 100%. you put into it, you get out of it. You get out of it. hundred percent. Start of my beating Heim time. I was putting a lot more into it than the end. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Where are we now? You're still playing hockey. Yeah. Yeah. You're playing for Kevin Gaudet. Where are we? Yeah. Played you went there from for Milan. You went from yeah. Milan to Germany. That's where we yeah. are, eh? Yeah. Yeah. My son was born there in 1999. He was born in Hanover. He'll be 23 this February. That's how long it's been. Holy moly. Where's yeah. he living? Vancouver. So I got to set him up with Lee Salters. They got to go oh, out and have dear. a dear. He could be the wingman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My son's got the long hair like oh. I did when I was a like, young player. Jeepers, he goes uh, out with Lee Salters, you'll get all sorts. You <laughs> get the leftovers. You'll oh, be yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll all be looking at Lee, but as long yeah. as you're there, buddy, as long as you're there. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> oh, okay. So, sorry. Second year in Europe, I'm back on track. Okay. You were in Milan. Then you went. Then I asked you a random question. We got sidetracked. Okay. Yeah. Second year in Europe, though, you play one game in the Swiss B League. Yeah, I had been, I was there for a long time though. I was there a few months with Claude Vilgrain and Devin Edgerton, but you can only dress two imports. So I was there just hanging out, and man, I had a good time. <laughs> and they pay well. They're they're paid well when I was over there. Yeah, they paid well then too. And we were in Harrisau, awesome town. It was a lot. I had I had a lot of fun. Is yeah. that the start of the season? No, it was the end. It was the oh, end of the season. Oh, the last okay. three months. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, okay. So it's. If Switzerland's one of your honey holes, I got to talk to you about the end of the seasons over there. Okay. But let's get into the rest of that year first. 
So that, you played in Ravensburg. You had no yeah. roof on your arena then, right? That's right. It was crazy. Just, uh, it was nuts. And I signed in Ravensburg first. And back, like I said, the money was crazy, but there was no arena, no roof. It was terrible. We were a good team, but it, it was a great town. I had a lot of fun. And then Hanover, the Vedemar Scorpions ran into a bunch of injuries. And I wasn't an import because I had my passport, these new rules. And somehow I found my way up there and then never left. Wow. Good for yeah. you. So you're basically like having a German passport back then, but it was Italian. Exactly. Yeah. Then they changed the rules <laughs> after and just went to the nine, 10 imports in the DL. Yeah. Us, us imports. We got to grind it out, boys. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason I, I knew about Ravensburg not having the roof is when I went there as a, like a land suit cannibal or a beating up yeah. sealer or whatever is they had a nice rink and it was, I guess, just what built. are they called? The tower stars. But yeah. a guy had played there and was telling me what it used to be like. Cause he had played for the team before the new rink. And he was saying there was no roof, no roof. We had an outdoor rink. It was like a soccer field stands on one side, wooden thing over the benches that we walked to a trailer. It was unbelievable. The beer was always cold in that trailer. I tell you, it was something else. It was one thing I never forgot. It was so cold in there, but the beer was always cold. Oh man. I love Germany, man. Like it yeah, was Germany, a great yeah. atmosphere. Great. Yeah. Great time. Okay. So then you go to Vetter market for 27 DL games. But um, my question then for the Swiss league. Okay. Mm -hmm. I played with a fella mm -hmm. um, in Beatingheim who had told me about the Swiss B league where you go there, you make a really good salary, you play for the year. And then the season ends and the Swiss A teams are like, well, we need backup. We need some guys for the playoffs. And he's like, they'll pay you like 20 grand to just go hang out for the playoffs. Is this true? 100% true. Yes, it is. So why so didn't they ever call me for fuck's sake? <laughs> <laughs> you had a bad agent, right? You needed a good agent to get. Where was Optima <laughs> Sports when I needed them? Navigating Lieutenant Light Lager, Bayfield Brewing Company. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, uh, no. I don't even know have... if Bayfield's still my sponsor. I haven't been drinking on the pod <laughs> lately, uh, but the girl that set it all up has left. And uh, yeah. I wrote to the, whoever is on the Instagram, like, Hey, so is this still a thing or what's going on? And it looks good though. It, looks it like said they beer. seen it. They didn't even write back. This is the best beer around. I love it. This is a navigating Lieutenant folks and Bayfield Brewing Company. I've been loving supporting you and I love everything love you've it. done for me. So thank you over the last eight months. I've loved drinking your beers. Um, back on track. Took a half day today, folks. Love it. Yeah. Um, never met you before, but I figured, you know, when I saw this, I'm like, this might take a while. I better take a half day. <laughs> this doesn't look like a lunch hour pod <laughs> and it's Friday and it's almost Christmas. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. <clears throat> but actually awesome. I got to bring this up now before I forget. Cause you said you saw the devil's Jersey in the background yes. it is. Um, so episode 34 Garrett mm -hmm. Mears, um, his mm -hmm. wife, I don't know if you know Garrett Mears. He played in the coast. I know the name, yeah. Yep. But anyways, um, I played with him on the Ripley Wolves. It was my mm -hmm. senior A at the end of my Cardiff Devils time. I shouldn't have been playing. My knee shouldn't have been playing, but I did. To meet people around here, and he was the captain. He's a great guy, genuine guy. He's still one of my best buddies. Does anything for anybody. Um, just a great person. And so is his wife, who works with my wife. Um, and she was in a car accident and they, 
It, you know, Sorry, she, man. she is on the road to recovery, but they got a lot ahead of them. So I am raffling off this Jersey. It's going to be done tomorrow. So you're going to have to listen to this pod real quick, but the raffle ends tomorrow or no Saturday. That's tomorrow. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, anyways, the tickets are two pounds each and it's uh, at my website, www.aleshockeytails.com. And um, so that raffle will end tomorrow. I'll find out who wins this jersey, as well as a Stephen Dixon game-worn jersey from the Cardiff Devils and a Gratz 99ers signed, full team signed jersey. Um, that's all on my website, and it's two pounds a ticket. Um, but anyways, it'll be done soon, and I get to go to his game tomorrow, see the boys on the Wolves, and I get to tell Mercy what I've done for him. So thank you, everybody. Um, so far there has been, uh, 460 tickets sold. (laughs) 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 So, uh, thank you everybody. I'm not crying again, but it's pretty cool (laughs) what my shed's done in the last 10 months and that I can help my friends now. So thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Now I don't know where we are again. You're at okay. the end. You're at the end of my career. So after yeah, you Hanover's... are. So you, yeah, after Kevin got that and Scorpions. Yeah. So the Scorpions, that was a German band. Yes, yeah. You know, here I am. Rock me like a hurricane. Those are they... the guys in the locker room with you. So, yeah, oh, and yeah. their and wives the and the skirts. And really? The team, yeah, and the team is still supported by them. The team's still called the Hanover Scorpions. And for years, when they we kept we go on the road, he's they're always supporting. It was, they were unbelievable guys, man. Rudolph Schenker, the lead guitarist, used to be down in the dress room with his son. It was crazy. So much fun. And by Party. the way, one of the coolest rinks still in hockey, eh? Oh, yeah. The Vedermark Arena is amazing. Like they, they, But it's called the Hanover Rink. What's Vedermark? That's that's just that's the Hanover. town that they play in. That's, so the town is like half an hour out of Hanover. That's oh. where the Hasselbacher family lives, and that's they run the team. Oh, yeah. okay. But that's a cool rink. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah, when you're pissing in a real trough, that's when you know you're in a rink. <laughs> that's when you know, boys. That's when you're in a rink. Yeah. When it's not urinals and you're in a trough, that's living. <laughs> if you don't know burn. what I'm talking about, then you don't know what real rinks are. <laughs> no doubt. Okay, so then, yeah, Kevin Godet's your coach that whole time, and you guys, he yeah. lets you have fun. And oh, yeah, it was you must great. like him. That's good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just kidding uh anyways so then you play in the german third league for four games played and then what's the decision to shut it down you're with bay ruth yeah just uh at that time son was a year old thought in byroid there was like that's enough and i had come off a knee injury and thought i'm gonna get into you know coaching and being an agent and that's what i did right away so you thought you wanted to be an agent right away that my first uh before I started coaching, I was an agent. The name you might not recognize because you're a young guy, but Gus Badali. I grew up uh, with Mark Montaneri, who's his nephew. Gus Badali is a pioneer. He was Gretzky's agent, Coffee's agent, Lemieux's agent, Mark Messier's agent. He started the whole business in the 70s and the early 80s. He found Gretzky when he came to Toronto when he was 14 years old from Brantford and started representing him. Still to this day, friends, Gus has got to be 80 years old now. And Gus was my idol because I knew he represented all these guys. I retire from Bayreuth. I'm at an arena on a Saturday afternoon watching hockey. I look over and I see this old man watching hockey. And I said, Gus? He looks over at me. 
like, Pat? I said, yeah. I walk over and we start talking. He goes, you want to have lunch on Monday? I said, yeah. So we have lunch on Monday. He goes, you got what it takes to be an agent. He goes, you want to work with me? Where I'm did like, you yeah. see him? Toronto at York University. And he says, yeah. I said, I will. I said, what does it pay? He goes, nothing. I said, I'm in. <laughs> he goes, you got to recruit. Start. So that's how it all started. And I started coaching and coaching went one way and then full circle 20 years later. And I got back to being an agent after coaching all those years. Okay. So you did, you were an agent at the start. Yes. I, I had a question between playing and um, coaching. What was in between yeah. there? So did you say you went to law school? I was going to go to law school. I uh, applied, went, wrote, uh, did, took law and security, did a bunch of different crazy things. and wrote Research my team was pretty hot today. I don't know where I found that. Yeah, you guys, are, you guys are on top of it. And then, Jeez, yeah, so, uh, guess and then I just continued on coaching. I didn't continue to school. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know what it's like in Toronto, but so you're coaching like, the whatever it's called wexford wexford raiders, raiders yeah so yeah. you get you get paid to do that yeah yeah so that's your yeah. job that was my job yep hmm. so interesting but i also ran skates in hockey schools did private so you actually wouldn't believe how much money you can make doing that stuff I know, yeah there's so so many of my buddies man that are yeah. into the hockey school we, we started stuff. that like, that was early on when it was really we got her going we kind of paved the way for these guys today <laughs> Oh, there's there's so many options out there right and it's like yeah how do you choose yeah but yeah definitely a, more of a market back then eh yeah okay anyways curious <laughs> <laughs> so wexford then i see you're still coaching like you coach like a minor hockey team you coach pickering but yep. then so those are all your jobs yeah know that okay mm -hmm. so then how do you get to the london knights as an assistant coach yeah, so I was coaching the Pickering Panthers. We took the last place team in the finals, and uh, we had a few players that the Hunter brothers were scouting, so they would come watch the games. And um, so, you know, I just wanted to meet them all the time, so I always introduced myself. And then that year, the draft was in Columbus, and I went down to the draft and uh, met this guy drinking beer at the bar. His name was Randy Clark. God rest his soul. Passed away two years ago, but unbelievable person. And uh, he was Dale Hunter's best friend. They grew up together and farmed in Petrolia. And I'm drinking at the bar. And this guy, Randy's drinking at the bar. And we're in Columbus. And we start shooting the shit as fate will have it. He's Dale's best friend. And says, oh, yeah, well, let's go drinking with Dale. He's at another bar. So we went drinking with Dale. And me and Dale hit it off. Drank for about three days straight at the draft. And, I, and then he hired me to be his assistant coach. And the rest is history. Jeez, isn't it weird how it all works? <laughs> when you crazy, look back yeah. on it and like like but it's i guess being a good dude right and if if you're sitting there and that guy doesn't take a shine to you he yeah. you don't end up with dale that night and your life goes a different way right 100 percent, man 100 percent. yeah huh. crazy it is crazy okay <laughs> um so you're there and that's when you guys are running amok so what's your job as an assistant coach what are you i was doing? running the d i was running the d i actually found john carlson mark and i went down to see john he's playing for the indiana ice i watched him in warm-up just the way he wore his tongues and skates i said this guy's a player mark we gotta get him and we drove twice back and forth and we i i, I know round. when someone's a player in two yeah. seconds just when you see them, how they were in warm-up, you could tell if they're a player. And this guy was yeah. a player. He was unbelievable. Then we got him to London, 
man, we had him, John Tavares, Nazem Kadri, the list, Del Dotto, the list goes on. We were an unbelievable team. We won 50 games out of 66. It was, I didn't even know what it was like to lose a game. It was just, you just normally win every night. It was crazy. It was an amazing year. It was wild. Nah, I, and I know what you mean. Like, it's weird for me because like when you're around hockey for as long as you've been and like now for me, myself, I I've been out of it now for a while, but like, I always told people, I'm like, all you gotta do is watch the way people walk, see them talk, chit chat with them, have a podcast with them. I can tell <laughs> you a player review on anybody I've podcasted with. 100%. I don't think you want yours yet. <laughs> uh just kidding okay anyways um london night so you guys won the whole thing or no we lost in the finals that year windsor won the whole thing oh that was with like taylor hall and them yeah exactly yeah yeah Uh, so we had no goalie our goalie didn't play as well as he should have so pretty interesting then going from uh coaching the Wexford Raiders to all those studs then like is it hard for a coach to feel like you know enough to teach kids like that? Uh I don't know. I think you know my pro career and uh lifelong passion student of hockey, you know, I just grabbed the bull by the horns, continue to learn, work hard every day and you know try to give them the best guidance you could. You know, that's kind of was my meant, you know, my philosophy. No, I agree and like you don't yeah, totally. I yeah okay so then I next question you go to Utah East Coast whatever Sioux mm-hmm. OHL but then yeah. my question what I really want to know about is becoming the GM head coach and president of the San Francisco Bulls how does that all go down man so uh I'm an entrepreneur at heart I always find myself into these projects and uh, I went to San Francisco we actually played in Stockton and uh, when I was coaching Utah and we went to San Francisco for the day and I was like, this place is incredible. What a spot. It would be great to have a hockey team. And uh, from there, I got the idea of uh, trying to get a group together to put an ECHL team. And um, we started from scratch, Brett, from the, inventing the name to going to the Cow Palace to flooding the ice myself and building the rink myself to getting a franchise on, up and running to affiliating with the San Jose Sharks. We did it all. The only thing I wish is that we had uh, maybe a few more partners that we could have kept the funding going, but it was some difficult times. There was a lot of things going on in the state of California at the time, but I wish that team was going to stick around a long time. We knew the American Hockey League was coming. We just couldn't hang on long enough, which was shitty. Ah, man. No, and then, like, you put yourself into something like that, right? You would have put your whole... I know you. I can man. already tell. I can already tell by talking <laughs> to you for a little bit. You would have put everything you had into that, eh? We did, buddy. We took it from the ground to nothing to selling out the Cow Palace on the first game was unbelievable. To What's see that the whole Cow baby Palace? Beat. Oh, my God. It's one of the most famous arenas in the world. It's where the San Jose Sharks played their first pro game in 1992, but the thing was built in 1947 in Daly City, which is just where just south of San Francisco – right across the street from where Candlestick Park was, where the San Francisco 49ers played the majority of their careers. Well, I, uh, I've never been to that part of the world. I've never been to California, so I can't really comment, you know? It's pretty cool. You need to go one day. It's pretty, you'd love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've been to a lot of places, but never out that direction. Okay. Yeah, Didn't know different. what it was. The Cow Palace. <laughs> eh? So yeah. how many people are you selling out then? What's, 
Uh, we had uh, we had put tarps in certain parts of the arena, so we had capacity for about nine thousand. We had eighty eight hundred, eighty eight seventy one the first game. It was is that right? Yeah. yeah so cool. in that lineup, <laughs> <laughs> was there Chris Frank or Trevor Hendricks? But yeah, I think they're both there. I think uh, no, I think Frankie came after. Maybe Hendricks was there. I can't remember, but they both played for me in San Francisco. I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah they're my buddies. They both. Yeah, yeah, they played oh, out yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, right on. Two yeah. good dudes. Yeah, no, I I love those guys. I everybody I pod with, though I do. So that's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so then how does like so when a team folds and you see it folds like that's just backing and like having investors and like. It it's the whole thing. There's so much to it, right? That I'll tell you how it went. We had found investors in San Francisco that would have took the team over for just the debt. So meaning they wouldn't have paid any money and we had invested tons and tons of money. And some of the Ontario investors uh, were like, if we do that, we can't claim the losses on our taxes. So they would rather see the team shut down and bury us than give it away to someone taking it over for debt. And that's how the team folded. It was... It was devastating. Still hurts to this day thinking about those few months after that. It was terrible. Terrible. To, to be honest, I can't imagine. It yeah. sound it sounds to me it would be like like what you did there and you saw it and you started it and you did everything. Like losing a child, Brent. It was like losing a child. Yeah. No, what I was gonna say, it'd be like somebody <laughs> it'd be like somebody trying to take over my shed. <laughs> All right. Well there just like, as much. Like, like this it, is right? mine. This is mine. I yeah. like this was my idea and yeah. like um it'd be like someone saying this has to stop exactly and it exactly. can't it can't devastating yeah yeah I I'm gonna so. take a break though after today I'm taking a yeah. break I gotta yeah. I I gotta see in-laws and we got Christmas stuff and I gotta be a yeah. dad so I have done a hundred and about 10 episodes in 10 months oh. folks but I am going to take at least a week here. So sorry if I don't give you any entertainment for a week, but I got to do it. <sighs> but I'll be back at it in no time, okay? After I uh, take a week of rest and relaxation, who knows how many I could do, right? <laughs> That's right. Uh, okay. Be a lot of time to plan stuff. Anyways, moving on. Mm -hmm. So then you go from that. Okay. So you've been a head coach, a GM. How were the teams there before you fold? That's another question. Yeah, we had a real good competitive team. You've got to remember we started from scratch. There's no expansion draft. There's nothing. You're basically just recruiting players. And we were made the playoffs in year one. It was uh, it was amazing. Great, great, a lot of success. And we had a better team year two before we folded. So what what uh, part of the year did you fold? Cabinet maker, Bayfield Brewing Company. <laughs> January of the second year. So we were almost you know, past the midway mark of the second year when we ran out of dough. Oh, that killer. sucks. Yeah, it was killer. Um, I don't think the teams in Europe care as much as you did about going bankrupt. <laughs> right? Like, no. I remember in Europe, like, I was at a game Hanover went bankrupt. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just interesting that it anyways, but no, it's tough for everybody, right? Like it's you, that was your baby. And then all the players, like they got to go find so, stuff. So I got all else. kinds of stuff here. I got all kinds of memorabilia. I just haven't really unpacked it all, but I got one thing here, the stick, an old stick we gave away, Brent. I'll show you. 
The old Bulls. Take a look at her, boys. Oh, boy. The San Francisco Bulls professional. All signed by the club. The boys, yeah. It was crazy. Oh, man. Hey, you you started a, ho- a pro hockey team. That's cool. And man. I walked into San Jose Sharks with Doug Wilson, and we got an affiliation with them in year one. It was unreal. You just walked right in there and said, I'm starting a team. I'm going to be down the street. Give me some players. They ended up giving us seven players, two goalies, a few players. You know who I had from them? And still my buddy to this day, Yanni Gord. Oh, he, that guy work gives her, eh? Yeah, worked his way up. He was an ECHL guy. And now look at him, Stanley Cup champion. Oh, he's just one of those down. guys that just gives her. He's just got a motor that he's trying harder than everybody else. And Y'all better Absolutely. try it. Yeah. And the rest of the team's got to follow him, right? I've seen him mm-hmm. play. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Okay. I bet you'd talk a lot, eh? He was such a little kid. He didn't have a hair on his face. Scott Langdon was our captain. He walked in the room and goes, whose kid is this? Literally thought it was someone's kid. That's all <laughs> young he looked, Yanni. It was crazy. <laughs> oh, man. We're getting sidetracked. Okay. So how do you go from the San Francisco Bulls to getting a job in Europe again, because you haven't been to Europe in a long time. Yeah. So um, during my time in London, I've done a couple trips. I did one in 2004, one in 2008, where I took pro players to Europe on a tour for two weeks. I had guys raised money and we did, we took all kinds of players, Robbie Shrimp. So, so how you did that and how did you decide to do that? You're their agent? No, I just, uh, I don't know how I decided to do it. I just You I, just I, have a passion for hockey yeah. and you want to see people do well. Exactly. And we did that in August and we got raised all the money, took pros every year. And uh, I did that. And when I was over there, we played Lansu. We played all these teams. We went traveling around with these pros and we did it for two weeks. Everything paid for. And uh, while I was over there, I met so many people and I was like, did, I got to get Did you say this day. was during a lockout? No, this was during August. We did it twice, 2004, 2008. In August for 14 days, we played Landsuit, Munich. How Vienna, do you raise the money? Some rich people that uh, wanted to donate. Yeah, it was crazy. Probably cost 200 grand for the two weeks. Take 24 players and coaches and pay for hotels. And I did it all, organized it all. Flights, hotels. What, wait, what year? What year was this? Because Robbie Shrimp's only a year younger than me, eh? 2008, we brought Shrimpy, Sam Gagne, Mark Massat, uh, Adam Dennis. Um, in 2004, we took a few older guys that you would recognize, I'm sure, as well. Then in 2009, I did the EuroCan Cup in London, where uh, we brought the teams to London. When we paid for them, we sold out uh, the London Gardens, where the London Knights played, in August for a tournament. We brought Munich, Linz, and uh, Zug from Switzerland. And we when beat did them. you do that? 2009, August, called the EuroCan Cup. And we would have kept it going. You beat them insurance. with who? So we had Sam Gagne, Robbie Shrimp. We oh, had you're talking Bob about Bertuzzi. the London Knights? We had all alumni, London Knights guys that lived in London, play in a legitimate tournament, refs, sold-out crowd, outside party and beer tents. We did it all. It was unbelievable. Where we ran it from? What the hell? <laughs> we would have ran it every year had it not been for how much insurance was costing for these players' contracts. That was how it ended in 09. Yeah. You are an entrepreneur, eh? <laughs> well, wait till I tell you the best one here at the end that I'm going to tell you. I got to tell you what we're doing now. Okay. No, it's, this is all really exciting because it, it, it sounds fun. Like that all sounds fun to see yeah. 
that all happen and all those guys get to do that and be part of hockey yeah. again. And yeah. I bet you those guys living around London would have been so jacked up to do that. Oh, they all played. It was like the Stanley cup. I think I got a picture here that I could pull up on my phone. By the way, Mark Mathot was the only one I really know out of that group. He was a uh, teammate in Syracuse. Really? Okay. Yeah. I got a picture somewhere here of the team picture from that tournament. I'll see if I can find it here while we while we're talking. No, but anyways, that is really wild. So, but we got sidetracked again. So how'd you get to Milan and how'd you become the head coach of Milan after the San Francisco Bulls fold? So, so, so I'm curious about like hockey coaches and their mm-hmm. lives, right? So they get fired yeah. and then they basically have like months to try and find something. So are they just like looking all the time to see who gets fired and what's open or do they got an agent doing that? Are you doing coaches? Yes, we do. We represent a lot of coaches. We have uh, the majority, we have about 11 guys, assistants and heads in the DL and uh, all over the place, the ice league, uh, wherever we can help coaches get jobs. We, we do here. I found a picture. I'm going to text it to you, Brett. Did you uh, know that my under 11 team is uh, well over 500 and won their first tournament of the year? <laughs> <laughs> that might have been a London Knights team I sent you. Maybe not the tournament, but anyway. Oh, give dude, I can't. I, you know, it's weird for me because I, I can't. I can multitask, but when mm-hmm. I get into the shed, I don't like looking at phones. I don't like looking. I know. At- I, I don't know if I want to look at this. I really yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get sidetracked enough already with shit. Okay. Oh, Brett, that's awesome. No, but seriously, I don't like looking. So at you're shit. where are you right now? Where is the shed? The shed's in my backyard. But where? Where are you in England? I, oh, I'm in Kincardine, Ontario, Canada. Oh, you're in Kincardine. Nice. Yeah, you know where that is. I sure do. Really. Now, of course, I know where King Carrie is. It's not nice at all, folks. You guys should it's move. It's snowing. Here. It's snowing for sure. Um, actually, oh wow. Okay, I can't. I can't read that. I'll look at it later. Look at uh, it later. Just yeah, later. I like to get in the pocket. You know, one thing I found about uh, this is this is real, and I've talked to Stefan Meyer about it. He told me the pocket's real, whether okay. you know. Anyways, yeah, the guys I interview that are younger. They can look at screens. They can look at phones. They yeah. can do two things at once and talk to me. Um, but they, they don't know how to get into the pocket. They don't know how to like really get fully into the shed. Engaged in the situation. Yeah. Like yeah. actually be there, like be here. Like, don't look at that shit. Like just do this and we're doing it. And by the end of this hour and a half, we're going to feel like we really know each other. And I don't know if that <laughs> happens in hockey. Is that, is that a thing in hockey now that they really aren't, they might be brothers, but not like totally. I think it's definitely the, the new age kids are different. They're definitely different. Yeah. So what year were you born? 81, you said? Uh, 83, buddy. 83. Hey, so clean I'm it up. I look good you. right now. Come on. Yeah, I thought you were still playing right now. Now the way you go, look, looking, looking mighty and fit. <laughs> dude i'm actually uh i'm well lighter than i was in germany like 20 pounds lighter. oh man that germany i love germany man one of my favorite places the, the food ha- the people, hard the hard to be an athlete though like yeah with the beer and the food i eat schnitzel every day brat verse <laughs> oh god why you, you realize we just met and you're talking dirty to me right <laughs> no but seriously like yeah. the food in germany 
Like you, I didn't even like the the, the like the strong mustard at first, but by the end, you're like, yeah, you're just loving it. You're dunking it right in there. And just oh yeah, it rub, <laughs> rub it right on your chest. Yeah, yeah, God. Um, no, that is how I got a lot of Chester. I just lost all the notes here. I just got so excited about food that. Um, so, well, I guess they come up all the time. You want to talk about Christmas markets? Because you, I guess you still. This is what happens, right? You go over there, you just love the whole idea of like getting to live in North America, but also getting to see all of that shit. And you get to live that life still, eh? 100%, buddy. I love it. And I love telling players, love helping players go there. And we we know where to eat, sleep, drink, fart, shit, party, whatever you want to do. And we're going to put you in the right spot and you're going to love it. Because we know we've been there, we've sat there, we've seen it, we've done it. And that's why, and then when the players go and they experience that, there's nothing more fulfilling when they're loving the call and say, Hey man, we love it. You know? No, you're absolutely right. And it's like Monty said, it's about fitting the player with the spot. Right. And like placing the player to the opportunity, you know, boom, you know? Yeah, no, I do know. And like Germany fit me and it was just shit luck that I ended up there. But Germany (laughs) fit me. Right. Like, like realistically, you're looking like a guy that's a scorer that um it can't isn't really a third fourth liner on a team at that point in my career um mm-hmm. is supposed to be a scorer like there's not that many leagues of the level I was at that like are gonna take a chance on me or whatever and it, it's just shit luck right and yeah, I'm sure you guys would have guided me the same way as what actually <laughs> happened for sure maybe <laughs> you guys probably would have had me in the Swiss A League but I was too slow <laughs> Okay, so Milan, how'd you okay. get the job? Are we gonna talk about this yet or not? I've asked you three yeah. times. Yeah, how'd we're gonna get, get you right now. So uh, San Francisco had folded. I'd been off for a few months. Uh, talked to a few teams about possibly getting a job. Uh, nothing had come to fruition, and uh, because of my success there as a player that year in Milan, a lot of the people that were involved with that team still had some ties. And uh, David Monte had called me because he was buddies with. Um, the guy that was the GM at the time who remembered me and asked if I wanted to go money was shit, but I was going to be the head coach. And I knew I was going to go back to Milan where I knew everybody. I said, I'll take the job. And so when I got there, they said, we're not supposed to make the playoffs and all that, but we got some really good imports that were, that really overachieved. And, um, is a Monty know, the guy bringing you those guys? Uh, I think Dave did represent one or two of them, to be honest, but I wasn't involved on that side at the time. And uh, we overachieved. I was just a coach and we overachieved and the fans were going nuts. And uh, really they made me feel like I was a hero what I did there. But I really, I have to give the players the credit. Like we had Nicola Fontaneve. He's a tying kid with our captain. He was an unbelievable leader. I talk about it. If it wasn't for him, we would have never had the success we had. Uh, we went to the finals with that team. And from there, the offers and opportunities just started coming my way. Yeah, it's it's crazy in Europe. You're right. Like it's you go crazy. there with with the expectations aren't that high, and yeah. you do well, and it's just like a, a a roller coaster to the moon, right? It's like when I went to Landsuit and they've yeah. picked their team, they've signed their big imports, they don't have much money left, and then they're like, Well, we just need like someone to play right wing on the first line, but then they bring in this cheap guy and then you do well and you make it to the finals and you almost win it. And then all of a sudden, like you're in Germany for six years, right? (laughs) Exactly. It's how she rolls, man. It is weird. But then you go over there with huge expectations and they signed you to a big deal. She's a whole different experience. 
hundred percent, hundred percent. You better perform. <laughs> <laughs> you better, or you're yeah. out of there. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's like project management. That's how I have my MBA is um, under promise mm-hmm. over deliver. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, that's just what I did with my wages in hockey. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, shoot. Okay, so Milan, then you go to the finals, but then then you go to the big budget team, eh? You sell out, go to Val Police for the big dough. <laughs> yeah, so I did get a raise there, but uh, the funny thing about Val, Val Pelice was um, Doug Shedden, who was a friend of mine, he... Uh, he had been fired in Zug, then he went to the KHL and he was just uh, waiting for a job and uh, Lugano was struggling. They were in dead last. And he calls me up. He says, hey, any chance you can get out of Val Palace if I get the job in Lugano? I just interviewed and there's a chance I can get it. And I, he, I said, if you get the job in Lugano, I'll get out of Val Palace. And uh, that's what happened. He got the job at the November break. They were in dead last. We, him and I went in there, just made it fun again. Went all the way to the finals, lost in game six against Burns. Lost to Cannes in the Spangler Cup, got a silver medal. I got two of them somewhere here. And uh, we went on. So how, how did you know Doug Shedden and why is he calling you? So Shedden, I brought to EuroCan Cup 2009. He was the coach of Zoo. Brought Shedden to London, Ontario. Drank beers. He played in Quebec with Dale Hunter. There's always a connection, right? And that's how it all went down. But it's also you being an entrepreneur and bringing all those people together and then yeah. all of a sudden, you know, people hundred percent, buddy. That's exactly right. And that's how it happens. So, and you're fast forwarding almost 10 years and you still keep in touch and, and that's how it goes, you know? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> Interesting times. Okay. That's cool though. Cause I saw Doug Shedd and like I, his name comes up all the time of yeah, yeah. random guys, but. So I'll oh, keep that- going, Brett. So then, because after Lugano, we get fired in January, not because the team's bad. We're in fourth place. We're not as good. But we I got other questions. You can't oh, yeah. ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought hey. we were still in the league. Go hey. ahead. I don't care what you got to do today. I took a half day. Sit there <laughs> and enjoy it, okay? I think I'm going to pull out another beer yet, too. So Go ahead. You're going to have to ahead. sit down and just relax, okay? All right. What's your next question? Okay, here we go. Um. Mm, Lugano. We were, yeah, we I were played, in Lugano. I played against them. Okay. Did you? Yeah. Lost seven nothing with the Beatingheim Steelers. Don't know why we were playing them. Don't know mm-hmm. who set that up. It was our coach. He set it up somehow. But anyways, we lost seven nothing, and the crowd was chanting, "What league do you play in?" And it was uh, not <laughs> Rob Niedermeyer was on the team. Um, a couple other guys, but man. What a spot in the world Lugano is. And you got to live there. Oh, man. It was unbelievable. Gorgeous every day. in Switzerland? Yes. And sunshine every day, Brent. 300 days a year of sunshine. Unbelievable place. Yeah. Amazing. Right. And (laughs) I just, like, I didn't even know places like that in the world existed, right? But you're living there. Living there, yeah. It was unbelievable. And you got to keep the players focused, right? Yeah, I mean, the Swiss market is a difficult spot. You only get so many imports, as you know, you're allowed to dress for, and the rest are Swiss players. So you got to really be, you know, on your toes with how you're treating players and how you're, you know, because they're not, you just can't move players around. You're stuck with what you got. So it's, uh, it's a unique spot to coach, no doubt. 
And that is different about each league, right? Every league is completely different how it's ran, how it's done. Like you're right. Like in Switzerland, every Swiss player is getting paid however much money, but like you can't just send him out because he's on the three or four year deal like the NHL, right? 100% making big money. And then you got the East Coast, like the San Francisco Bulls or the Greenville, whatever they are with Lordo nowadays. Like literally there's 60 players on each roster, right? The amount of players that come in and out, it's unbelievable. And, but then you look at the NHL and it's like, well, these guys are here and yep. whether you like them or not, them. they're here. It's exactly right. It's exactly yeah. right. Very interesting. Okay. I'm not going to make sure sh- I, I won't let you get tired on me. Okay. I'm almost <laughs> done. I'm almost done. I'm almost All done. Right. No, I got nothing else. I'm looking. <laughs> you went from Lugano. So then the second year. Yeah. This is my other question. The second year, you guys must have just finished the Spengler Cup. And it says you got fired in January, but you were in the finals of the Spengler Cup. So everybody's yeah. having a great time. It's Christmas. Yeah. Everybody's riding the, the sleighs with the horses. Yeah. It's on TSN. You get to the finals. You do well. And then two weeks later, it's like, sorry, you don't have a job anymore. Yeah, it was devastating. So it wasn't because we weren't good. It wasn't because, you know, we weren't, we were in the middle of the pack. What had happened was, um, you know, it's hard to say, but the GM, uh, we weren't his guys and he was just looking for an opportunity to make a change and he got his wish and he made a change and we should still, we should have still been coaching there because we did nothing wrong and the players loved us and we would have went to the finals again. So, you know, what's funny about the whole coaching world is when you're not someone's guy, I guess it's anywhere in the world, right? Yeah. Anywhere yeah. in the world, if you're not someone's guy, you're not someone's guy. Just the way it goes, man. It's, so it's like it's like when the Beatingheim Steelers bring in Kevin Godet, right? <laughs> <laughs> and the, the Scorpions aren't there. There's nobody dishing out beers. There's no like, and he's that's just it. like, sorry, you have that's to right. go now. <laughs> <I'm dead>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then what is the final decision though at Balzano that like I'm an agent now this is what I want to do so sum it up Balzano calls me I'm Italian I speak Italian and the owner for years even when I was in Milan was asking me about imports when he went to the Able and so we kind of had a relationship and then he comes to me after the Lugano job and says I want you to be my head coach help me build a team but I don't have a lot of money I said I can build you a team and we can win a championship he thought I was crazy we signed Mike Angelitas, Dominic Amodio, Chris D'Souza. I got these guys with 25, 30,000, all of them to come play for me. We signed in Bolzano. Euros? Season starts. Euros, yeah. We, we signed in Bolzano. We season starts, and we get off to the worst start because we have so many injuries. We have no players. We got no goalie. We have nothing. I said, if we get a goalie, we can win this whole thing. We signed Matt Kleine. The first game we played with Matt Kleine, we beat Lynch, who's in first place, and we're in last, but it was real close. We beat him 4 1. I said, We're going to be fine. We got a goalie. The next day in practice, Matt Clark blows a tire, lands on Matt Climey's knee, blows him out. He's done for a year. Got no goalie again. We go on the road, lose three straight. The fans are going crazy. They want me fired. I kept saying to the owner, Don't fire me. We're going to win the championship. He held on. He was actually good. He brought me to his office. I got to do something. The fans are going crazy. I said, when we get every player back, and I have text messages, 
I said, when we get every player back, we're going to win this league. They thought I was crazy. Fired me in December. Barsky, my assistant coach, he's Lordo's assistant coach. We got him that job in Greenville. He stayed there, basically still coached the team. Nothing changed, not one thing. All the players came back, and sure enough, they win the championship. They win it all. So I was devastated. I go, this is crazy. But during that time, Brett and Gary, Dave was still an agent but with a different group, and they were talking to Dave at the time to merge. They said, uh, do you have time to meet? Meet me in Vegas. So I meet Gary and Brett in Vegas, Osmo World Sports, and they're like, Ron 68 wants to retire. Brett 68 wants to retire. We want you to take over those guys, part of the company, and be an agent with us. And I mauled it over, and I thought, oh, man, kind of go right back 360 to where I started. And that's what I did. And it's been awesome. It's been awesome. We've uh, grown the company. We've taken care of so many guys, and we really enjoy doing that, Brent. Honestly, I cabinet maker, Canadian Pill, <laughs> Bayfield Brewer Company. All right. Um, no, but seriously, um, I, I would much rather be on your side than the coach's side. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm pretty new to getting back in the game. I've been out of it yeah. for a long time, but like yeah. both can be very fulfilling. Coach yeah. and my little under 11 team is very, yeah. very fulfilling. When yeah. I see them do shit, when I see them come together, I see mm-hmm. them become a team and play better than they should. That's fulfilling. Yeah. Um, but then when you could, like you say, when you set a guy up in just the perfect spot yeah. and he becomes whatever in that town the or team scoring, help the team win and all these different things, you feel great. You feel part of it. You know, it's awesome. Yeah, you would. Right. And you feel like you're still part of it and you're helping a guy and like, you'd be excited to talk to them. Right. Where hundred percent. sometimes yeah. I had some agents where like you reach out to them and you don't hear back and you're like, well, why am I not hearing back? Like, is it because he doesn't <laughs> want to talk to me? Is it because he has nothing to say? Like, yeah. at least just tell me what's going on. And it wasn't until I started doing shit myself and I was like, you know what? I'm a big boy now. I know enough people around here. I'm going to do this myself. Yeah. I would get the answers right away. They'd say, I'm looking at this guy and this guy, but you're here. Or it's like, yes, we're into it. This is what we can offer. It was way better for me, but it was, it was not, it was finding out what's really going on. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. We try to respond to all our guys. And that's what we want to do. We separate ourselves by servicing our players, being available for them. You know, sure, we can't be there 24-7, but within a certain period of time, you have to get back to guys and people respect it and thank you for it, right? Well, and and as long as you're an honest guy and it's like, hey, I'm going to go do this with my wife or my kids for this long, or I'm going to do this for a day or two, but like, I'm going to get back to you. Like, there's so many hockey players and I know what they're like, right? Like yeah. I was the same guy. You come July, <laughs> you come yeah. July and you got nothing, no, man, I... the phone's going to be ringing and you better be telling me something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's just, the... it. but if you can set them up in the right spot and then they're happy, it's great. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Really is. Really is. Uh, it's pretty cool that you've been able to stay in the game. So do you want your player review now? Yeah, let's give it to me. <laughs> yeah? yeah? Because you're a hockey lifer and uh, you're as passionate about the game as me, I think. Uh, I I found a way to get back in the game. But uh, 
for you as a player, <clears throat> let's see here. <laughs> I think you're a forward. Um, I think you're probably a third line center, maybe a winger, but uh, you're not the most mobile guy around the ice. Um, not the best shot. You're probably not running the power play, but you're going to, you're going to bring the team together. You're a glue guy. And, um, everybody's going to be together. Everybody's going to like each other. And, uh, and you're going to bring everything you got every night and show everybody how hard to work. Um, you're probably not the most over talented guy, toe dragging people, but you know what, if, if someone needed to get hit hard or like stick up for a teammate, you're there. how did I do? You're bang on buddy. It's like you played on my line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, 100. Hey, I'm telling people I can do this. Just that keep listening to every on, pod, right? and I'll do yeah. it every single time. <laughs> <laughs> right on, buddy. Awesome. No, but seriously, and uh, the thing is, is I've met you now. I've met a Monty now, and I'm yeah. telling you, I wish you guys existed when I was a player. I really do, Thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. No, like I really do because if like there's a lot of different guys that like I don't know how you guys get on to someone or decide mm -hmm. they're a player for you. Yeah. But like I feel like I was never asked to have an agent. Nobody ever asked to be my agent mm -hmm. until I was leading the nation and scoring in NCAA. Wow. Junior year. Wow. It was my huh. third year of college, and I had never been asked to have an agent. What school did you go to, Brent? Western Michigan. Western Michigan, nice. We represented a lot of guys. Gary's son went to Western Michigan, our partner. Really? Even Seigel, he's a 90, though. You're an 83, so you would have missed them. Yeah, no, they're they're yeah. more legit now, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're like top 10 now, man. They're top five yeah. now. Oh, yeah. man. No, but, but I, I know. seriously, I never was asked to have an agent until I was junior year. I'm leading the nation in scoring. And then all of a sudden I have a lot of agents ask me, but yeah. not one, not one. So <laughs> how do you guys get on to somebody? How do you decide? So, we, so what makes Optimal World Sports so successful? They started this 30 years ago and they partner with a lot of the North American agents. And what happens is when those North American players, their North American they agents expire. Yeah, they expire. give them to us and we take care of them in Europe and we share revenue with these agents. So our business continues to evolve every year, which is a win-win for us and for them, right? No that's shit. That's how we get the majority of, yeah. That's what Optima based their business model of in the 90s when they started. Yeah. Huh. So we still do some recruiting and stuff, obviously, because we know the game. We're always around. But the majority of our players come from existing partners. And they're getting handed them. to you. And then... They get handed to us. And we represent them. Like, we got agents that haven't talked to the players in four or five years, but we still pay them. So that's a win-win, right? They don't have to ever follow them anymore. They give them to us. And they know they're going to get paid forever. All right. Well, here's a real question because I was yeah. a player that never got double-dipped. Some agents double-dip. You we get paid by the – You don't yeah. double-dip? Never. Never. Okay, I got to explain it to the people, though. Yeah. The teams pay an agent fee in Europe, yep. and yep. there's agents out there in the world that say, you also have to pay me because they think players, like in North America, that you pay your agent. In Europe, I never paid my agent anything. That's right. So most of the guys we represent, 
99% of them. The only countries that don't pay agent fees are Switzerland and the KHL for the most part, and, I, and some teams in Slovakia. But I promise you, if you're playing there, you're happily paying us. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Um, well, I would like, honestly, everything I've heard is actually like, I like helping out good people. <laughs> yeah. I had never yeah. met you before this. We've been doing this for a while now. And like, I had a Monty on, I'd never met him. Yeah. And I never found an agent I gelled with my whole career. <laughs> I never found one that like, I was like, this is it. This is what, this is it. <laughs> and like, seriously, you guys are both it and you're on the same team. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Isn't that weird? Right I think it's it weird. Is. But it's kind of probably why we get along. Why we get that uh, we have such a good group of guys that we work with. Yeah, you guys must have a terrible time going to Europe and catching up and oh, we're Christmas just in Vegas markets. all together. It was a it was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I'm sure because you guys, <laughs> you don't even have to be in shape to play hockey. Um, no, I get it. Yeah, it's like going out to your shed. You don't have to be in shape to do this. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> But I want to tell you our exciting project, Brett, before you kick me off yes. your show. No, this okay. is it. Let's do it. All right, buddy. So I don't know if you're a crypto guy and you're kind of following the whole cryptocurrency stuff, but it's, it's the future. It's where we're going. And as agents, we see all the time the difficulties of moving money around. And you know, when you went to Europe early, how hard it was to wire money back. And it even gets harder out of Russia and different countries. We can tell you stories where guys in Russia had to sign their, their, their life over to the taxi driver so he can get power turning go to the bank and wire money that took three weeks to come. Anyways, all this stuff kind of made us so interested in this process and met a couple of guys. They started the escrow platform, which is going to be the best platform to do smart contracts and all this stuff. And from that, we're starting a platform called the Locker Token. And the Locker Token is going to be a one-stop shop that's going to be, you can buy and sell crypto, get paid right on your phone, move money from anywhere in the world, everything right on this platform. It's going to be so exciting. We'll have more for you to publish and talk to about people about in about 90 days, buddy. It's going to Is be incredible. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. You're still doing the entrepreneurial thing. eh? <laughs> I don't know yeah. shit about crypto. <laughs> it's the future, Brett. Start buying some and start saving because it's going to go up and up and up. So that's not real money. That's some other thing. <laughs> The fiat money, they keep printing. It keeps going down. So crypto, there's a lot of scarcity. There's a lot of things behind it. But this locker platform is going to be amazing. We'll send you more about it when the time comes. Jeepers. My brain can hardly handle what I got going on right now. You're bringing it a whole different level here. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Wow, that's very exciting. And uh, like for me, you know, just a small fry here in my shed. But I'm really excited that my shed in the last 10 months uh my friend's wife gets in an accident we can raise money with my jersey that's been in my closet for five years and that's by going to my website www.aleshockeytails.com and they're two pounds a ticket and please buy a few more i know there's only a day left and probably most of you won't listen to this till after but anyways It'd be cool if I can go there tomorrow to his hockey game and say, look at this, buddy. I just raised you a couple grand by talking to people in my shed, drinking beers, right? I love it. Love it. Pros. Is that Pros. not cool? If I'm not an entrepreneur, 
who knows, right? You are so, buddy. I love it. <laughs> Just because I don't make money doesn't make me not an entrepreneur. I'm helping my friends, right? Hundred <laughs> percent, Brett. And seriously, if any young punks need an agent, I'm pretty sure these fellows can find what you're looking for. Because um, I didn't have them, and I wish I would have. So this Thanks, has buddy. been another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with. Kirch dog is what Salt's called him. What is it? Kirch? Cur dog. Cur dog. Yeah. Cur dog and Wally. Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm. And that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tanaka bands. I'm like Pete Southtown's Van Van. I'm always speaking my mind.